Joel Brown, Mineral Tracker. Thank you very much. And we've got Joel Brown from the heart of the Bakken. At least I like to call it the heart of the Bakken, Watford City. That's where most of the activities happening in McKenzie County. And uh, first of all, before we get into the uh, mineraltracker.com, which I wanted to ask you about, since we're in fantasy baseball, we're, we're winding up the fantasy baseball, we're in fantasy football and fantasy basketball and hockey season. I wanted to ask you a question related to that in just a second or two. But how about an update from Watford City? We were talking a little bit before the interview about how you know, so much has changed. It just you, you got almost enough now for people to be satisfied with different restaurant options, different retail options, different quality of life things that um, that town is just really coming together, huh? Yeah, you know, and it's kind of interesting timing uh, to even have this conversation, Jason, because we just finished a, a big community survey, you know, essentially sending out this survey asking, what do you like about Watford? What do you think we still need to do differently? You know, just kind of a, a whole gamut of opinions on Watford from the people who are living in the area. And one of the great things that I saw that came across in that is that despite how quickly Watford has grown and, you know, some of the growing pains that we'd gone through earlier on, you know, as we were really experiencing an oil boom, uh, we've maintained a really great community feel here. We had just constant comments throughout that entire survey saying, you know, we came from Oklahoma, we came from Alaska, we came from wherever, and instantly felt accepted in this community. So I think that uh, Watford is really unique in that we've grown really fast, we've added a lot, and we've definitely had our, you know, our road bumps along the way. But uh, honestly, at this point in time, I think Watford is a really desirable community to live in. And the ability for it to have maintained that, that strong sense of community, I think, is something incredibly unique. And if you look at, if you talk to people around the state, we're finally seeing the brand of Watford City change a little bit. I think there is a perception out there from you know back in 2012 through 2014 as things were just kind of out of control for a little bit of time uh that it was all man camps and uh just <laughs> a lot of nasty stuff going on tons of crime you know people were kind of scared of this narrative of a boom town in western north dakota uh but if you come visit Watford today, it is so far from that. It's a really beautiful community with a lot of young families, a lot of nice new restaurants. It's an attractive place to live, uh, lots of recreation. And so I think as we're able to bring more and more people into Watford to see what it's actually like, uh, we're beginning to see that narrative uh, and that perception around the state kind of shift. And I mean, we were we were just most recently named the, uh, the I think it was the nicest town in uh, North Dakota this year. I forget what the exact word was, but we're we're getting noticed for you know some of these awards now. So it's really it's a fun community to live in, and uh, it's it's fun to be able to talk about how much we like our hometown here. I think it's incredible just to see the growth that's happened from a percentage standpoint. How you know, they say, you know, one, two, three percent is just great growth for a community. Five percent is just like, how do we contain it? Well, you guys have had like 300 percent growth in the last <laughs> five years. I mean, that, that's the stuff that, you know, you read about in history class. Mm -hmm. And yeah. of course, with uh, if anybody wants to have a good chuckle, go uh, to the crude life and listen to some of the former interviews with Mayor Brent Sanford, who's now a lieutenant governor. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about kids using outhouses 
during the winter time because the school exploded so much in population. But the best part was everybody was okay with it. Nobody was, you know, calling social services in or the FEMA or anything like that. that, That's the one thing I really loved about this whole thing was that you guys really became the, you know, the bootstrapping community that ag and energy has always been known as, because you guys were more or less an ag community before with ranching and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and some crop, what is it? Sugar beets out there. And, um, a lot more, a lot more weed, a lot more ranching. Those are, yeah. bigger not not really sugar beets out here so much no that's a little more east in montana sorry about that um but okay so it's i was going to say sunflowers actually is what i meant to say but sugar beets came out but anyway point is though it's a little bit more ranching and some ag um uh, now it's more energy though and the proof i have for that is that some of the stuff we've talked about the quality of life increases have been very much ushered in by the shale movement the shale boom if you will but the companies have been investing in watford the one oaks of the world and you know some of the other service companies have really been investing in uh different you know office space and expanding um talk to me a little bit about that i I know you're not the official representation for any of those people but but you do pay attention (laughs) yeah absolutely and you know one of the great connections that i have um is we've got a we've got an initiative here that was started by the McKinsey County Job Development Authority. It's, it's called the Skills Initiative, and what it's essentially uh, trying to accomplish is bringing in uh, different training um, from either uh, Williston, uh, Williston State College, Train ND, um, U Mary. All all these different entities are coming in uh, to the Rough Rider Center here in Wofford with the ability to uh, train people. Um, and through that, we've got an advisory council of all of these different representatives from all these different oil companies. I forget how many that we had, but you know, we've got we've got producers, we've got midstream, we've got um, we've got roustabout companies, the, the full gambit of you know different oil field services all represented here with probably fifteen companies. We have a room full of people, and it's just so cool to see. Um, all these different companies who maybe, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you wouldn't see a bunch of competitors sitting at the same table. Uh, but I think that we've really got a great sense of we're all kind of in the same boat here in Western North Dakota and especially in uh, Wofford City and McKinsey County that we need to be invested in our community. And we have just such incredible support from the industry here. A lot of, lot of uh, you know, very important financial donations, a lot of community engagement um, we the the people resource that has been brought in by uh, the the increase of shale um, production in Western North Dakota has been one of the very positive things for us for sure. Let's get to a little mineraltracker.com, if you will, kind of your day job. I was thinking about it the other day when I was putting in my fantasy football lineup because, Fantasy baseball, you got to treat different than fantasy football and fantasy basketball. You got to treat differently, that sort of thing. It's a lot like the stock market. It it's it's very difficult to manage on a day to day basis, but you got to pay attention and all these other stuff. I I started thinking about some of the stuff going on in minerals with the way prices are and the way people like to have vacations, and all of a sudden you get near the time of the year when people like to spend money on holiday presents and travel. I I could imagine where that that'd be, you know people would make assumptions and people would have difficulties and that sort of thing. Uh, just talk to me a little bit about how, how people manage, 
you know, tracking their minerals and cashing out and just that sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's a really great question. And I think, you know, what's what's interesting, Jason, is that there there's kind of this wide range of different management styles if you're a mineral owner. You know, so you've got the, you've got, you know, guy who may have zero experience in oil and gas, but he's been really diligent about, you know, tracking, uh, tracking his minerals. He's keeping track of his revenue, making sure he's getting paid uh, for every one of his wells every month, you know, these sorts of things. But even that guy who's been really diligent, he doesn't, he hasn't had many tools to work with for a long time. And that was really the original thought that went into creating Mineral Tracker. You know, so me and my partner, uh, Jeff Cummer, we're both from Watford City originally. We're both petroleum engineers. We've got a lot of these different tools at our fingertips, things that we've developed for ourselves over the years uh, just to help in our own analyses. And we use them in the past to you know, help our friends, help our family. But there were so many more mineral owners out there that didn't have a petroleum engineer as a friend or as a son or a nephew uh, to be able to pick their brain. And so... We, we were just wondering, what are all those people doing? And that's why we ultimately wanted to put something out there uh, like Mineral Tracker that was a, a an important, easy-to-use tool. You don't need to be an expert in oil and gas to be able to use it. And for, for most mineral owners, it's incredibly affordable. You know, our subscription cost is $99 a month. If you're making any, you know, significant portion of your living off of minerals, that's a pretty minimal fee to have a really powerful tool to be able to manage it. And so we think we we thought very early on that that was, you know, uh, a no brainer. And we've been um, building up that user base quite a bit. The the interesting thing for us was that as we got into that, what we realized is there's also another class of um, mineral owners who they, they know that they need to be diligent in doing this, but it's a lot of work to do it. And they maybe don't have the expertise, the time, uh, the desire to spend time in tracking these things themselves. And so for that group of people, what we've uh, begun opening up is our minerals management services. And so if you are in that group where you're, you're making a meaningful amount of your income off of royalties from minerals in the Bakken, uh, and you want to make sure that you're being diligent, and it's important that you do, and I can get into that in a little bit, but uh, just the offering that we have is that we will do those checks for you. We will uh, take a look at your revenue statements every month, make sure that you're getting paid for all your wells, a report back to you so that you can see something you know nice and aesthetically pleasing that essentially says you're good um, and uh, just help take care of any issues that you may run in. So, so I'll, I'll go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, Something that a lot of mineral owners don't realize, because I think there are there's this uh, there can be this mindset for mineral owners, non-op owners sometimes um, that the oil company's taking care of it. You know, these guys are the experts; they they know what they're doing, and that's completely true. The oil company is really good at what they do, and there may be some mineral owners out there that would argue with me. Um, but, but the fact is that, you know, if you look at how things have been developed in the Williston Basin, uh, most of our wells are drilled on a 1,280-acre spacing unit. So that would be two full sections. Within that 1,280-acre spacing unit, there may be likely at least 100 different mineral owners who are receiving royalties off of the wells that are drilled in that. And if you look at how many of those we've got in the basin, we've got close to almost 5,000 1,280-acre spacing units in the basin. 
And so if you multiply that out, it comes out to maybe about 500,000 different people receiving royalties uh, across the state. And if you look at who's producing and who's paying it, it's, you know, if you look at the production in the basin, it's maybe, you know, 15 companies that make up the top 95% uh, of the production in the basin. So you've got 15 companies, each one of them trying to manage tens of thousands of royalty owners and making sure that they've got everything calculated right. And they do. I'm, I'm so impressed that they get it right as often as they do. It's such a complex situation. But the fact is that if you want to be diligent and make sure that you are being compensated fairly and correctly, you need to have some active role in watching out for your own best interests because the, the oil company isn't going to have the ability to do that for every single person, not the way that you could. That was, so that's kind of the perspective that we've come into this entire thing with. I was going to say those are the two things I wrote down. Was um, The first one is personalized interest, meaning that the oil company cannot know what the mineral owner's interests are outside of getting the most money for those minerals. That's pretty much, you know, outside of that, they, they can't know what's going on in each individual's personal bank accounts, that sort of thing. So I, I'm, I'm glad you addressed that because I was going to ask you about that. The second thing was, you know, just yesterday, I got a very lengthy email about some mineral disputes going on in, in the Bakken. And I get all kinds of emails um, involving minerals, a lot more than I think the average person would care to know <laughs> you know well it's just let's just say it's it's not usually the number one topic of conversation at the cocktail parties over the holiday season let's you know let's, let's be honest here but right. uh, but at the same time you know there's a lot of passion that that was in this gentleman's email and other emails generally that relate to that you know I'm sure you guys have gotten emails like this. Um, I'm sure that you guys have made tweaks to your software. I'm sure that, you know, you guys have had meetings and said, you know, we've probably made a mistake. What, what did we learn from this? You know, um, have you guys made any changes to the process or the logistics along the way? You know, kind of some, some things that you've seen either from people emailing you or trends you've noticed that should be gone a different way. Do you understand the question? Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, you know, so for, for instance, Mineral Tracker is still a relatively new platform. You know, it's a software that we launched back in September of 2018 to the public. And so we have continually been changing it, trying to make it better, adding features, uh, figuring out different ways to structure it. We get a lot of suggestion, even our, our very active users. And uh, we're a small enough team still that those emails come, you know, directly to, uh, or they get filtered directly to me. And uh, Jeff, you know, right at the top, and we'll we'll go and you know, kind of weigh out what it is. And a lot of our uh, changes have come directly from our user suggestions. So there's uh, there it, within Mineral Tracker, there's a uh, there's a feature that allows you to reach out to us, and we love getting good suggestions on how we can make the the platform better, easier to use. And the other thing is that you know, this entire the 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 nature of what we're doing is so dynamic. Uh, it shifts with markets. It shifts with the technological changes that are taking place in the industry, uh, because a lot of what we're doing is we're projecting and we're estimating, you know, revenue amounts associated with oil and gas production. So you need to have your finger on a lot of different things, and you need to be able to analyze the trends 
of where the industry is going. You know, you need to be able to understand how much better wells are getting with the newest generation of completions, things along those lines. And so we're very actively engaged in the Bakken uh, and Three Forks formations from a from a very high level. But then we we drill down very deeply into you know what we see as the the next upcoming trend, and all of that gets filtered into Mineral Tracker, um, you know in in the platform itself. But it's also available in uh, in uh, the ability to just reach out to us as well. You know a, a big part of what we believe is important with Mineral Tracker is that it's a it's a software platform and it's a really great tool, but it's not going to answer every one of your questions. Uh, and that's why it's important that it's backed up by local guys who have a lot of experience and expertise in the industry. And we're we're granting access to us through Mineral Tracker. And so if you've got a question about what's going on, if you've got a question about the industry or about, you know, if you're being uh, compensated correctly or fairly, uh, we, we're, we're here to answer those questions uh, personally. Joel Brown with Mineral Tracker, mineraltracker.com going to ask him about some 2019 energy stories trends and issues of the year in just a moment but uh what's next for mineral tracker you know 2020s around the corner here so what's what's next for you guys here yeah that's a that's a good question and it's one uh that we uh we're trying to answer every single day jason it seems to be so dynamic you know, what we've done so far is we've just really tried to respond as quickly and flexibly to what the needs of mineral owners in North Dakota has been. And through that, we have we've added so many different service lines to what we're offering. So besides just, you know, the, the software, which we see is really the front door um, to this this broader service uh, offering that we're, we're able to help mineral owners with. Uh, some of the things that we've really grown into is um, the ability to offer mineral appraisals, uh, something that a lot of uh, families wind up needing in the event of a death, an inheritance, a gift, uh, things like that. And they need you know, some sort of basis for the value of their minerals. We offer that. Um, another area that we've worked into has been in uh, brokerage. And the reason for that is because we, what we found out and we were surprised by was that there are a lot of mineral owners who are selling their minerals uh, to private equity-backed firms, to um, you know these these larger-scale mineral buyers, and typically they're not very well informed as to what their minerals are actually worth before they sell them. And so they look at a big check and they see it as a good deal, um, but they don't really know if they're being treated fairly. And so we wanted to step in as a uh, an unbiased third party who is able to essentially say this this is what we believe they're worth and then represent uh that that mineral owner to the market the same way that you would ask a real estate agent to represent your house uh because we've got the expertise and the ability to market those things and get the uh the best price possible for them and the area that we're expanding into uh most recently is in minerals management and so like i talked about earlier in this call um there there's a broad group of people out there that they know that it's important that they are managing their minerals, that they're being diligent about this because it's a, it's a generational asset. It's not something that is just going to be a benefit to you and your generation. It's going to be beneficial to your children and potentially down the line. And so you need to make sure that you're getting uh, compensated fairly and correctly 
uh, and that mistakes aren't being made. We you know, one of the very first things that we did within minerals management, this was a while ago now, was we uh, did a large scale audit for McKinsey County on some royalties that they collect. Um, and what we found uh, in going through this is that over the past 10 years, McKinsey County had been paid short approximately a million dollars in royalties because of mistakes that had been made. And now we're going through with McKinsey County and working to uh, get those errors corrected. We've recovered about half of it thus far, still working on the other half. Um, but it's it's surprising to see how, how much uh, is actually just sitting out there in escrow right now in a, in a bank account somewhere because it's essentially unclaimed um, because the mineral owner doesn't know that it's rightfully theirs. You know, so it's things like that that just show that there is an absolute need for experts in the field to be uh, looking into these things on a regular basis and managing uh, minerals for people who either don't have the expertise or just uh, they, they, they don't have the time to do it. And so we can offer that as well. And so I think that's a big, those are the big areas that we're likely going in 2020. I think we'll continue to develop the software and continue to make changes there because um, it's been such a dynamic process thus far. But the other thing that we're going to do is we're just going to keep listening to what it is that mineral owners need, and we're going to find a way to respond to that. One of the things we're asking a lot of our guests here on The Crude Life is uh, 2019 winds down. What are the top stories, trends, and issues of the year. No right or wrong answer. Everybody's industry is a little bit different, but we all share the same industry, so it's kind of unique. You know, when I think about, you know, your particular uh, perception right away, I think of the tech world and I think of the infrastructure world because you're you're in the heart of it. There's so much uh, pipelines and and uh, roads and, and buildings being constructed all around you. You know, I... I'd love to ask you about the rig counts down 23%, but I don't know if that's going to affect you on your day-to-day life, to be honest, Joel Brown. I mean, not to, you know, and whereas a lot of other people, that's their number one concern, number one issue, number one story is the rig counts down, you know, and other people, it's California wildfire. But I wrote down tech and infrastructure for you, and I thought, boy, I, I could see where those would just consume you like crazy. So um, just kind of from your perspective, what, what, what do you see as some of the uh, top stories of 2019 issues and trends, if you will? You know, the, I think, honestly, the biggest, the biggest narrative or the biggest trend that I've seen in 2019 you know, there's been 2019 has been a year where there became a lot of bearishness in uh, U.S. shale production. Um, you know, you, you hear a lot of things coming from Wall Street about how it's becoming really hard for oil companies in shale to raise capital because of, you know, questions around the returns, things like that. Um, and I look at I look at all of that negative press and then I look at the development pace that we've uh, maintained in the Bakken and we have been virtually un, unhindered by it. If you look at our rig count, you know, the rig count in the U.S. is down quite a bit. If you look at where we're at in the Bakken, we're actually down, uh, it's, it's less than 8% from a year ago. And really, you know, what we've maintained is uh, close to 60 rigs in the state for the past three years now. So the, the Bakken has kind of been steady eddy for quite a while, you know, as we've maintained oil price between 45 and 75 dollars over the past three years we've had a really continuous uh steady pace of development here 
And the, I think that's really for two reasons. You, you look at the U.S. shale, um, the U.S. shale revolution and the, you know, the 800 pound gorilla in the U.S. is the Permian Basin. Permian Basin operates over 400 rigs in comparison to the approximate 60 in the Bakken. And the Permian uh, is down, I believe it's close to 85 rigs, you know, 20, uh, what are they down, uh, almost 20% uh, from a year ago. And I think really what's happening is that all of the press that you see is so related to what's going on in the Permian. And the Permian right now is in a place where it's going through a lot of the development phases that the Bakken was going through back six, seven years ago. Uh, everyone, it's, it's a big land grab still. Everyone's trying to uh, go hold their leases by production. They're trying to define the areas that are the core, figure out what's the fringe, figure out what break-even price is. There's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of inefficiency going on in the Permian right now. Uh, and unfortunately for them, they're doing at $50 a barrel what we were doing in the Bakken when oil was over $100 a barrel. Today in the Bakken, when we're you know sitting at $58 WTI uh, crude oil price today, we're really in kind of an optimization phase of this basin. Everything that is worth being held by production is largely held by production. We're going in and we're infilling. We're capitalizing on a lot of efficiencies here. Um, and I think the really big issue is one that you had touched on, Jason, and that's infrastructure. It's about figuring out how to handle the natural gas that we're producing right now. And so I see that as kind of the, the developing trend for the Bakken is, um, you know, really that production and, and development is going to maintain at a steady rate, a very healthy rate. And the biggest thing is going to be increasing our, um, our gas takeaway and gas processing infrastructure to be able to uh, continue at that rate. If you look at what's happened in the Bakken over the past year, we are continuing to set new production records almost month over month. I believe we were down for uh, September some, but the indications have been that October is potentially going to be another really big month once that uh, once that production data becomes reported. And so, I, I mean, it's kind of funny to, you know, have my ear to the ground mostly in the Bakken and to see what's happening in, on Wall Street and to see what's happening across the U.S., and there's such a disconnect because I, I still feel very bullish about what's going on in the Bakken, whereas there is kind of this bearish sentiment about uh, shale production um, from the broader public. That's an interesting perspective, which is that the Bakken, which was called the test market early on. I, I don't know if you remember that, but back in the early, early days of the Bakken, they kept calling it the test market for a lot of different reasons. And you just brought a new one to the to the table, which is how to roll out similar uh, bureaucratic, logistical, um, I guess, systems into the Permian Basin. Because I agree, from the five thousand foot view, I see what you're seeing. I totally see that, and and a lot of the the trends are the same. A lot of the signs are the same. And the point that you bring up about what was happening in the Bakken was $100 oil. Now it's happening with $50 oil. That's that's a very important part of that puzzle. I remember Ed Schaefer. In fact, you can go to The Crude Life and find the interview where he talked about, you know, during that $100 oil, it was a race out to uh, drill the well and then prove that there was 
oil there and then to cap it. And then they got 20 to 25 years to go back and drill it. Now it's just a price play. Now it's just a commodities game at that point. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the thing is they already knew the oil was there. And, but they still had to physically prove it. And when you were talking about what was going down in the Permian, that's what was going in my head was all those, uh, I guess, uh, sage sessions former Governor Ed Schaefer would have with me to kind of teach me on how the oil and gas business worked. Um, so very familiar, very familiar. Hadn't thought about it from that angle. So that's a very interesting way to look at it. And I agree with you. I, I think there's um, a lot of places to look positive in the oil and gas sector. I do think there are some things that are going to be ironed out. I really do. Um, I think that, unfortunately, some companies are going to be streamlined. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's never something you want to hear. But at the same time, you know, that's kind of the reality of it. And it has to do with the $50 versus $100 oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But certainly, it's a lot more challenging to make everything work at $50 a barrel. You know, we were fortunate that we were we were in the yeah we were the test market when oil was a hundred dollars a barrel and I remember when oil was a hundred dollars a barrel and I was looking at you know investments in the Bach and I was looking at well performance it was almost like you couldn't do anything wrong almost everything worked at a hundred dollars a barrel and today at fifty you have to be a lot more efficient you have to uh, make significantly better wells but if you look at what we're doing in the Bakken today that's what we're doing we're making way better wells we're making wells that are still profitable at half the oil price that they were, you know, back in 2014. So, I mean, it's it's a really positive narrative for me, uh, but I, I'm one of the, you know, few people that are really digging into the data on a daily basis. And I don't see the the, the narratives and the trends that I'm, I'm picking up. I don't see those uh, as being published out in the, uh, the broader world in the media. So, I think it's kind of interesting. I feel like I'm in on a little bit of a secret, but it's the type of secret that I wish more people were uh, buying into because um, the uh, the bearish sentiment I just don't think needs to apply to what we're experiencing up here in North Dakota. Any final thoughts, Joel Brown, Mineral Tracker, as we wind down here on the Crude Life? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I would just say that uh, holidays are coming up. We're sitting here a week before uh, Thanksgiving, a lot of lot of families probably coming back to um, Watford City, Western North Dakota. Uh, we know that of those hundreds of thousands of people who are collecting royalties from uh, Western North Dakota, that a lot of them live out of state and maybe still have connections uh, back here. Um, but if if there's a opportunity for anyone who is from out of state and wants to bring in their family, bring in uh, you know, come into our office here in Watford City uh, for a demo. We love to set those types of things up. We know that minerals is really a family ordeal, and uh, we're all family. We're all family uh, guys and gals here, so we understand that completely. Um, but if you, uh, if if anyone is interested in setting up a demo, setting up a meeting, a consultation, something like that, we're here in Watford City over the holidays. Um, and then aside from that, you know, the easiest way to get in touch with us if you're not here is to go to mineraltracker.com, uh, fill out a form, try a, a sign up for an account and, you know, just give it a shot, see what it's all about. And then ultimately, if there's an issue that you as a mineral owner are dealing with, if there's something that is just confusing or concerning, uh, we're here to help address those issues and we want to be able to uh, accomplish um, whatever it is that mineral owners need. And so that's that's exactly what we're here for. And I'd encourage anyone who 
uh, is interested, just to reach out, go check us out at mineraltracker.com.